0: This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment.
1: What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanny Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for another edition of the Primetime Podcast here on Most Valuable Podcasts. If you're on YouTube, hello. It is wonderful and great. To see your faces yet again this week, if you're on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or Stitcher, thank you for giving us the download, giving us the listen today. And Brandon, we got a jam-packed show. As don't we? Always. There was a ton of news happening this week, and the biggest of which was Jonathan Giles. Earlier in the week, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to send Brandon the topics, and I saw that Jonathan Giles had narrowed down his choices. I'm like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait because maybe as we get closer to record day, something will happen. Well, guess what? Something did happen. Jonathan Giles going to LSU. Instead of looking at how he helps that team, because we'll have to wait a year to see, we're going to look at how it hurts Texas Tech and what are they going to do to move on from Giles. Then we're going to look at the 2018 NFL Draft again. You guys loved our topics last week where we talked about Josh Rosen and Josh Allen. This week, we're going to take a look at the running back position and look at Shaquan Barkley from Penn State. Could he be the best running back in this year's draft class this season? And then Mason over in Vanderbilt, Derek Mason, gets a contract extension. We're going to kind of uh, play a theme to that and not coaches that should get extensions, but coaches who could be on the hot seat this season in 2017. So sit back, relax. We got a great show for you guys and Brandon, we're going to start with Jonathan Giles as the eleven wide receiver. He was a Bolitnikoff Award finalist last year. Led Texas Tech in receiving yards, receptions, touchdowns, yards per catch at 16.8. He is sayonara, see you later. Had a falling out with the coaching staff. They benched him, said, hey, you're the backup. He said, you know what? Audi 5000, I am now going to transfer to a different school. He is in LSU. He'll have to sit out this year, but 2018, he will be a member of the LSU Tigers with two years of eligibility. I'm going to just ask you this straight up. How does this transfer of Jonathan Giles hurt the Texas Tech Red Raiders?
0: Well, I'll tell you straight up, Ricky, that you know they're known for a team in the as a big team in the Big 12, especially this past year, that can put up points. Mm-hmm. I mean, my Gosh, the, the amount of times I feel like they had 60-plus points in a game this past year was ridiculous, and Giles was a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you take away his 69 receptions, and you uh, let's just say 1,200 yards, let's call it 1,200 yards, and his 13 touchdowns, you're taking away a whole heck of a lot. Um, and honestly, then you have to take a look then at the guy who's going to be the next man up. And the next man up for, for this last year um, was Kiki Kuti at 55 receptions, 890 yards, seven touchdowns, and he's no longer there. So you're looking at Derek Willies, Cameron Batson, and Reginald Davis the third as your as your starters and excuse me Kiki Kuti is still there uh, my, my apologies he's just, just, now, a he's just now a backup he's just a backup um uh, as as i'm looking at their depth chart the Texas Tech Raiders uh red raiders depth chart uh, right now he's a backup but if you're getting that out of your backup you can be pretty happy about mm-hmm. that, but what what that just goes to show is you look at Giles, this guy is the glue. This guy is the number one receiver. And does this show that you know maybe you do have another guy there in Cootie who can be the next man up, who can be the Giles that you would hope that he can be or somebody can be on this team? Then I I, I think that uh, that's that's going to be a good thing. You you also have Dylan Cantrell there too, but. I think that you have this one guy, and Jonathan Giles, who was clearly your number one, mm-hmm. and to lose your number one before you even had to, because he has a falling out with the coaching staff, he moves along. I, that doesn't necessarily uh, bode well for you. It it, it could be something then. You know, in the locker room where, you know, guys are upset, guys aren't, you know, as, you know, passionate. I'm just, I'm saying these things, not that, not that that that's what's actually going on, but I think that when you lose a guy that good and you lose that talent, it does take a little bit of a hit. And then it, it falls on these other guys. And then you think, okay, they were good as a number two, a number three, but will they be good as that number one? And I think that there's been a couple of situations that we've seen in the past where a guy is a really great number two guy, but the minute that you make him that number one, he, he can't handle the pressure or it just isn't the right role for him. Mm-hmm. And we've uh, see, we've seen teams struggle because they do that. And hopefully for the Texas Tech Red Raiders, they don't see that because they have so much firepower. But Ricky... I know this is about Jonathan Giles, but I think one thing I also want to mention before I throw it back over to you is their quarterback, Pat Mahomes, is no longer there. He's with your team. He's a Kansas City Chief. He's with one of your teams. They now have Nick Shimanek. Mm -hmm. And has he gotten some reps before? Yes. Redshirt Junior. And I'm interested to see how this will work with Shimanek in there at quarterback, not Mahomes, and Shimanek not having that solid number one guy to be able to throw it up to and know he's going to go get it.
1: Well, and the thing that I want to add on to that is this Jonathan Giles transferring from Texas Tech is the third biggest hit to this offense this offseason, the, w- the first of which was what you mentioned. It's a natural thing that happens, but a player saying, I'm going to go and declare for the draft. I'm going to continue my career at the next level. They lose Patrick Mahomes to the Kansas City Chiefs. Then in April, in a practice, they lose their leading rusher from last year, and DeLeon Ward blows out his left leg from getting a handoff from the new quarterback And now you have the Jonathan Giles transfer. So this offense has already taken three hits, trace hits this off season. And this is something where we're still early to where you can rebound from this, hopefully. But I look at this big 12 and I look at the schedule for Texas tech. The first two games don't kind of scare me with these losses. Eastern Washington. I still think you can win that at home. Arizona State, you can win that at home. These aren't the Arizona Sun Devils that we saw two years ago with um, Bercovici, but then you get Applegates-Houston at Houston, and then right after that you get Oklahoma State, which to me they're a team that's going to challenge Oklahoma for the top of the Big 12 this year. Kansas who will be improved. They're on the road. I mean, you get all the Big 12 after that. I don't have to run through Everybody, but I just think that this Texas Tech team, the biggest question this offseason before all of the two the injury and the Jonathan Giles thing obviously, the Mahomes thing we knew was going to happen the biggest question was could Kingsbury field a defense this year? That's the one thing that's been lacking for Texas Tech. They've had this amazing offense, the air raid offense that they run, but Kingsbury has never been able to kind of field that defense that you want to see. And I know what you're saying, Ricky, it's the Big 12. They don't play defense. It's no problem. But yeah, it is a problem when you're 5-7 and seven and we're 3-6 and six in the conference last year. I don't know if the defense is up to schnuff to make that next step and then you add on the injury to Ward and the leaving of Giles and Texas Tech. I look at 7th in the Big 12 last year. Might be sitting at the same, might be sitting at three and six, yet again at the bottom, looking up at everybody else.
0: Ricky, another interesting thing is that Jonathan Giles is the big receiver we're talking Mm -hmm. about, but the receiver that we're not talking about is Tony Brown, who also transferring out of Mm -hmm. there as well, and he only caught 27 passes last year. You know, He didn't have the impact that Giles had, but it makes you wonder, another wide receiver leaving the program. Now why is that? Why is that? Is that a program issue? Is that an individual issue? Is it an issue at all? Is it just guys that feel like they can go and win somewhere <laughs> else? I, and, and Brown, I'm not even exactly sure where he is going, but he was leaving shortly after Giles was. And I, I, I think that it's, it's an interesting thing to bring up, though, uh, especially because you have this huge guy that leaves. And now you have this other guy, only 27 passes caught last year, and he announces that he's going to be transferring. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's an interesting thing to bring up.
1: Well, and the thing that I think of is is this something where you could look at Kingsbury and say, well, are you the problem? Because the thing with Texas Tech is I know that his first year they went 8 and 5, and in 2015 they went 7 and 6. But the thing I look at, and maybe it's because I'm an outsider looking in, I'm not a Red Raider fan, bleeding, true and true, is I look at Kingsbury and I say, the only thing that I hear about you is that moms on the recruiting trail want to date you and that you look like Ryan Gosling. I don't hear much about your team in the national scope. And the only reason we're talking about your team right now is because your leading receiver left you for a program in LSU. And I look at each of the seasons that Texas Tech had, the kind of the eight-win season that he had his first year, you look at the conference record, four and five. They finished six in the conference. Only reason they got there, they beat SMU, they beat Stephen F. Austin, they beat Arizona State, they won their non conference games, Texas State, one of them, three of those they should have won. The Arizona State was the big win late in the season because Arizona State was the number 16th ranked team at the time. And that was actually in the Holiday Bowl that they did that. Then I look at the 2014 season. That was a dismal year for them. They win two of their non-conference games in Central Arkansas and UTEP. You should beat those teams with your eyes closed. They play arkansas in Jones AT&T Stadium, they go ahead and lose that game because that's a big time opponent, and then you look at their conference schedule, 2 and 7, they finish 8th. Then in 2015, yeah, 7 and 6, but you finish 4 and 5 in the conference. Last year, set 5 and 7, but you finish 3 and 6. I look at it this way. You can schedule cupcake teams and get to your 7-8 wins even your six wins to be bowl eligible. But what I am looking at is you have not been able to field a team to win more than four games in the big 12. And that's when as a program, I look at it, two wide receivers have left already. This is a team where are we sitting here just trying to be bowl eligible and schedule four cupcakes and then hope we win three or four or maybe even two um, conference games. Or do we want to field a team that can win the Big 12? And I hope that the latter would be the goal that the Red Raiders are shooting for.
0: Well, Ricky, I think I might be able to help shed a little light on why they are struggling to do this. According to Scout.com, Texas Tech is down to 11 signees from 20 in the 2015 Mm -hmm. recruiting class, with just 16 left from the 46 signed in 14 and 15 combined. That's a retention rate of 34.7%, and that is the worst in the Big 12. In November 2016, the Red Raiders had lost 21 scholarship players in the previous 18 months. They can't get anyone to f- stick around. And that, to
1: me, is its one of those things where I look at it and go, something needs to change. There's a reason why these players are leaving our team, and I'm not going to say, oh, it's the other players on the team. No, it's this coaching staff. And if I'm looking at it, if I'm the AD, I'm looking at it this way. Players are leaving, and we're losing conference games. Something needs to change. And I know that Kingsbury isn't a coach I'm going to bring up in our third segment because we're talking about him right now, but if he goes another season of bismal conference games, I'd fire him at the end of the year. That's say You're gone. See ya. Sayonara. Don't come back. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you because we need to win some football games here. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Red Raiders make a move at the end of the season unless they have an amazing season. But I'll be honest, I don't see that from them. I don't see that from this team. I don't see them getting anywhere near the season that would save it. Because like I said, Eastern Washington, okay, that's one win. Arizona State, that's another win. Your other non-conference game is at Houston. I'm sorry, Houston's winning that game. That's two wins right there. Kansas, you'll be able to win. Maybe Baylor, but I maybe pick Baylor in that one because I like what Coach Rule's doing more than Coach Kingsbury. It's hard for me, other than Kansas, to find games. Iowa State, maybe you beat them. Maybe you get the best of Kansas State. But those are the only three Big 12 teams where I can look at it and say, Okay, yeah, those are some wins you can have in conference. You're not going to beat Texas. You're not beating Baker Mayfield, and you're not beating Mason Rudolph. Try again later when they don't have him.
0: So another interesting stat, I just kind of keep throwing these stats out Mm -hmm. there to you because I think that it all kind of helps to go up to and back to the coaching, the staff, and Mm -hmm. where they have this team going. So ESPN uh, did a Big 12 power ranking after spring ball was in the books, all completed, done, everything. Where do you think that they had Texas Tech? Dead last. Uh, No, you're very close. Let me guess.
1: Dead last was Kansas. Texas Tech was right above
0: them. You're right. And here are the comments. Texas Tech's offense took a hit last week when 2016 leading receiver Jonathan Giles announced that he's transferring. The Red Raiders have other capable weapons for new quarterback Nick Shimanek and Kiki Kuti, Dylan Cantrell, and Cameron Batson. But Tech's job of replacing first-round quarterback Patrick Mahomes just got even tougher. And and mm-hmm. that's completely accurate. But the fact that you come out of the spring ball and you're second to last, and, you have, well and, and, and you. you have this explosive offense, not one thing about that. Now, one thing about that says anything good. Texas Tech has been known for having an explosive offense. You mentioned this earlier. They're also known for having zero defense. Mm-hmm. They will be in. They legitimately will be in a 65-60 game this year. And they could win or they could lose. You just never know. They may score enough points, but they may give up too many. Sixty, Whichever way, if they win that game, they already gave up too many. But they just got lucky. I, I think that... For them, it's not all going to be with the offense. I think that if they focused a little bit more on the defensive side of the football, they wouldn't have to put as much pressure on the offense. But they like offense. Kingsbury likes offense. And Ricky, not to spoil anything, but that is a guy who has got to be on the hot seat. Because you take a look at some of these other teams that have offense. Let's talk about number one... In the power rankings Can after spring ball?
1: Oklahoma State. You're wrong. Oklahoma?
0: Yeah. Okay. Oklahoma State is too. Oklahoma Oklahomans. State is too. But Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's gonna be good. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the two of them. Yeah. One high two, punch. They are able to score a lot of points, but they find a way to find just enough defense well, you know where they to be get get able to
1: compete. You know where they get all their power there in Stillwater from the Mike Gundy mullet. It's all in the all that power is in his mullet. That's where it's all stored. A little fun fact for you
0: guys. Is that an alternative fact?
1: It is an alternative fact, alternative but not fake news. Never fact. fake news here on the primetime podcast. But
0: but I, I think that 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 just goes to show again their their mm-hmm. ranking of ninth in the power rankings after well, spring ball. I, I understand it's spring ball. Does it mean mm-hmm. a whole lot? Yes and no. But to be nine and you've and you've lost all of these different things. I mean, if you mm-hmm. were somewhere maybe in the middle and you had lost all that, you're like okay. Well, But ninth,
1: And I'm reading here from, this is uh, USA Today's For the Win. They have, this was earlier this spring, where apparently Coach Kingsbury kind of pulling a uh, strategy from uh, Coach K where he has banned the players from wearing the team logo, the double T's, in the locker room. The reason why? He said, you have to earn it. They have to earn it. And I look at this and I go... Okay, kind of worked for Duke because, let's be honest, Coach K does this, you can buy into it because Coach K is a phenomenal coach. Coach Kingsbury, I, not the same way, not the same pedigree as Coach K, I don't think that this tactic helps make his football team any better. I think that you look at it and you go, I get it, you're trying to motivate the guys, but... You don't have that same genesis, qua, you don't have that same attitude to it coming from you than it did coming from Coach K this year when he did it for Duke early on in their season. We were talking all about Grayson Allen and this was right after the trip on the Elon player. Wait, which and all number? Of that. Which number? I think it was number three. Was it number three? I number think, three, number I, four, I one think of those it was. two. And I just, I can't help but think, and this is the last thing I'll ask you, I'll give my opinion and I'll ask you, I cannot help but think Cliff Kingsbury gets fired at the end of this year, and I will ask you this question, and this is kind of where the Jonathan Giles conversation has taken us. How does it hurt him? The coach gets fired at the end of this year. Does Kingsbury get fired from Texas Tech? (laughs)
0: D- depending on on what are you saying that depend uh, do and they do they have a bad season I mean are you saying that they already have bad
1: even se- if it's a four win season which would match his best that he's had in the Big Twelve <laughs> a four win conference season
0: to be five and seven again to be
1: what if they got seven wins that's the best that's in the conference best. it overall seven wins overall four in conference so that means he went what two and one
0: seven maybe- and six.
1: Yeah, 7-6, and 7-5 and five maybe. Maybe made a bowl game and lost
0: it. It depends on what they see moving forward mm-hmm. with him. If they see a future with him, if they see that he is able to really take grasp of this program and really move it forward, then they may look at that and go, you know what? We will give you another chance. We will see what you will be able to do. But at the same time, too, if you're saying that to yourself, you're already thinking, I'm kind of thinking I want to go in a different direction. And sometimes it's good to go in a different direction. Because you know what? For how long is Texas Tech going to be the team in the Big 12? Man, they score a lot of points. How many wins do they have this year? <laughs> Probably not <laughs> Man, they not score not
1: many. a lot of points.
0: Probably not many. How, long, how much longer do you want to be that team? Mm-hmm. Instead of the team that's like, man, they put up a lot of points. And they win a lot of games. Which team do you want to be?
1: I want to be the second one.
0: And that's a question that you got to ask yourself.
1: Mm -hmm. And kind of to wrap this up, we're going to throw it on to you guys. What do you guys think? First off, how does the Jonathan Giles transfer hurt Texas Tech? And then kind of the second conversation we got into. What do you think about Coach Kingsbury with Texas Tech? And does it get fired at the end of the season? Because I am not optimistic that the Red Raiders are going to have a good season. So I'm assuming it's going to be a mediocre maybe sixth in the Sixth at best in the conference, and you're sitting there towards the bottom. So let me know what you would do if you would fire Coach Kingsbury or not. Let us know down below in the comment section. But Brandon, we're going to move on into our next topic. And the one thing I got to say in the intro, said his name wrong, I'm going to say it right this time, Saquon Barkley is who we're talking about. This is a segment because last week we did two for the 2018 NFL Draft. You guys loved them. So what Brandon and I decided is, until we run out of things to talk about in the offseason before we get to like actual football and not just the spring ball, let's look at the 2017 or the 2018, pardon me, NFL draft. And we're we're looking running backs this week, and we're gonna touch a little bit of all of them, but I want to focus on one in particular because if you look at Todd McShay's way too early mock draft, we mentioned the quarterbacks. We mentioned Allen; he's going number two right now. We mentioned Josh Rosen. Complete mess off the field is what some scouts have called him. He's number three to the Jets in McShay's way too early mock draft. For the running backs, there is one at the top of the board for Todd McShay, going number seventh overall to the Indianapolis Colts, and that is Saquon Barkley, the running back out of Penn State. And Brandon, I am just going to ask you this to start the conversation. When we get to the draft next year, Will Saquon Barkley be the number one running back in this year's draft class?
0: Well, if he keeps going and doing things at the rate he's doing them, I I, I absolutely think so. I mean, you take a look at his stats in 2015, and he carried the ball a little less than 200 times. Uh, he had over 1,000 yards, almost six yards per carry, seven touchdowns, and then a receiving touchdown, a little less than 200 yards there. 2016. Up to 272 carries, almost 1,500 yards on the ground, five and a half yards a carry, touchdowns up to 18. Mm -hmm. 11 more touchdowns on the ground than in 2015, and then through the air, eight more receptions, 402 yards, four touchdowns. This guy is versatile, and he is making himself better. He is improving his game. He is getting better and I, along with many others, do not believe that he's even hit his ceiling yet. And a lot of people, they believe 2015, he could have been a lot better. But they worked with an offensive line that wasn't that great and a quarterback that was less than stellar. I think that when you take a look at 2016 and what he did there, and then you take a look at also who was that quarterback in 2016, Ricky? For Penn State, Christian Hackenberg, wasn't it? In 2016, this last season. This last season?
1: Ooh, I'm kind of drawn. It wasn't Swirls, was it? Yes. Yes, okay. it was. I See, I'm thinking the way back but Check I'm me. Going, fact check me. I'm going Christian F- Hackenberg. Fact
0: check me right now. Oh, no,
1: you're right. You're right. It was Swirls last year. I was going fact ball. check
0: me right <laughs> now. I want to know. I don't want to sound like a complete idiot. Well,
1: you're never an idiot, Brandon. Eh, well, that idiot. is a complete it's lie. debatable totally sometimes. Am. Is that what you're going with? Yeah, it was McSwirls. McSworley, as I call him, McSwirls, because he swirls. He was quarterback last year.
0: What does that mean? To swirls? Because he swirls?
1: swirls. I I'm just taking the name McSworley and I'm going How I Met Your Mother on it. Swirls, because they called Barney Swarley. but I'm going Swirls. I'm kind of combining the two.
0: Never seen that show. You've never
1: seen that show. Great no. show.
0: Yeah, I've been Great told show. I would like it. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> we did, we digress off topic we there, to but but I think that look at when you have a really good quarterback, mm-hmm. a strong quarterback and then what you're able to do at running back to make him that much better. And it's
1: going to be consistency. And the thing, the only thing that I think is going to be the biggest challenge for Barkley this season and it's going to be a challenge for this entire Penn State team is can you back up the talk that all we heard, the chirp 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 that we talked last or heard last year of what? How are we not in the playoffs? We won the Big the Big Ten title. How are we not in the playoffs? They're in the playoffs. How is this? Oh, Ohio State shouldn't be in there. We beat them. Blah, 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 blah. You got to come out this year and prove it. And the thing is, if they want to do it, I think Barkley needs to be the workhorse. Of course, McSworley is going to be the kind of head honcho because the quarterback always is. But I think Barkley needs to have a phenomenal season if Penn State wants to take that next step to the playoffs. He needs to go beast mode, per se, and say, you know what? I'm going to take this team to the next level, open things up for my quarterback and the passing game. And the thing that we notice with football, either at the NFL or the college level, the more you can run that ball and run that ball effectively— you up that time of possession. What does that mean for your defense? They get to spend more time on the sidelines catching their breath, getting some water, drinking the Gatorade, while the opposing defense that you are going with is constantly on the field just getting nagged and drawn out and getting tired a lot quicker than your own.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think, Ricky, with with this guy, what he has done, with what he has done – I I think that it clearly is something that Penn State has not seen in a while. And he is bringing a sense of, you can build around me. And then you have that quarterback, McSorley. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a duo. And that's how they were able to get to where they were last season. They went on that run because of both of those guys. I mean an absolutely incredible run and I think that they have such an opportunity to do it again this year. And I think that Saquon Barkley is going to have so much to do with that. But let's take a little bit of a look when you look at his kind of his intangibles. You know the fact that he can juke anybody out of their shoes. He can absolutely make a guy miss. His speed, his quickness, his strength. This guy is very very good. Could you see this guy being a solid NFL quarter uh, excuse me quarterback probably not, but a running back I can see this guy being a because of also because of the style that he is. These days, NFL teams want a guy who can be a little bit more than just a running back. They really enjoy a guy who can be a running back and who can also be that wide receiver as well. Teams love that more and more. Teams are absolutely loving the guy who can come out and be that dual threat. And I, I think that uh, I'm trying to think of the 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 latest guy who is that dual threat. And I mean this this past year with what with what we saw. Um, this past year was
1: Christian McCaffrey.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. In the NFL, this past year in the NFL of who we saw, um, uh, running back Ohio State cannot think of his Ezekiel. Name. Thank you very much. I mean, a perfect example of a guy who can run the football Mm -hmm. very effectively, but can come out of the backfield and catch the football. And that's in year one. I I think that we're seeing more and more guys like that than just a pure workhorse of ground and pound, take it right at them, and the guys who who, they're not going to be doing much catching. I think those days are starting to be in the past.
1: Well, and the thing I'm looking at is I'm looking at the other running backs because Saquon Barkley, like you said, I think he's an NFL talent. If he decides to come out this year, NFL talent. And Todd McShay right now has him as his number one running back off the board. To me, though, there are some other guys in this draft class. Well, potential draft class because there's underclassmen and we don't know which underclassmen are going to declare and which are not. But I'm going to name a few. Give my thoughts on some of them, and then I'm going to kind of let you react to it, Brandon. And the guys that I have pulled up obviously, two of them that you have to mention because they are also in the mock draft for Todd McShay is first off, your boy from Alabama. Who am I talking about? Bo
0: Scarborough.
1: Bo Scarborough. He has him going 14th right now to the Philadelphia Eagles. That would be a nice pickup, especially an Eagle team that thought they might have gotten a Christian McCaffrey who was projected to go to him, but then the Panthers reached on him in the top 10 of the draft.
0: And, and Bo, then the Bo, other and one, Bo Scarborough, really quickly, mm-hmm. that's a guy, he's ground and pound. Alabama's mm-hmm. got about three other running backs that are the ones that are going to run it and then come out of the backfield. Scarborough, he is a bruiser well, right at you.
1: And the thing I'll just say about Scarborough is you look at last year's stats, because that's when he had the most of them. His first year, he only had 18 carries, but n- didn't break the 1,000 yard mark. O- only had 12 more than 800, so 812 to make it simple. Is that
0: what it is? If but, you have 12 more than 800, is it 812? Yeah.
1: But he averaged 6.5 per carry. You'll take that in the NFL. You'll take if you're getting four or five a carry. I'll even take that up the middle. And he also had eleven touchdowns. I would like to see those touchdowns go up, but I do realize it's Alabama, but also and there's no one go to guy that it's like, yep, you're the belt cop,
0: but also remember he missed two November games mm-hmm. with an injury, so two games you get those would have bad added stats possibility there could have broken a thousand yards um in the final four games sixty three carries mm-hmm. four hundred and fifty four yards and six touchdowns mm-hmm. in the final four games of the season,
1: and then the other one I was going to mention that I have to is. Geis from LSU, he's mocked right now, way too early, 27 to the Oakland Raiders, who could use him. This was before the, I want to say this was before the Marshawn Lynch, but even with Marshawn Lynch, that'd be a nice pickup for the Raiders. But Geis is also a guy who showed some promise while even having Leonard Fournette there, even when Leonard Fournette had to miss a couple games due to injury.
0: (laughs) So here's the funny thing for me, is that, He came off the bench Mm -hmm. for over 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns on 183 carries and then a single-game school record of 285 yards. Can you say Leonard Fournette 2.0? Well, I can because I just said it. But this guy is going to fill in very nicely at LSU and... I mean, if he keeps up those numbers, that pace, my gosh, he may be pushing Barkley for the top spot at running back.
1: And then there's two guys not on not on Todd McShay's mock draft that I kind of want to hit. The first of which is a guy that coming back from some injuries, we thought he was going to be like two years ago, it's like number number one running back off the board, gonna be phenomenal. Injuries have knocked him back to where he's really coming back from it. But I think he's still on the radar coming into this season with what team am I talking about? Talking about Georgia. Talking about Georgia. Nick Chubb entering his senior year. I think this is, well, obviously it's got to be the big year because it's the last one before he can enter the draft. But with what Georgia... And the kind of hype that I'm starting to speculate and starting to feel around this Georgia Bulldog team. Thank you, Kirby Smart, for kind of getting that hype going for me. This might be a team that's in my playoff, and I might be wrong about, but we don't know. We're Most not going to get not going to get to the way too early predictions yet. But this is a running back who will now have a phenom- I'm going to say phenomenal quarterback entering his second year. And Jacob Eason, a guy that we are Jason Eason, a guy that we talked about not too long ago right here on this podcast. And that could kind of take some pressure off Chubb. And if Chubb can have a solid year, I'm not saying he's a first rounder, but he could be a second round guy, third round guy, a non-first round guy that goes. And another guy that I'm going to say sleeper possibility this year to up his draft stock the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma is very high on him and Lincoln Ridley but that is Dimitri Flowers going to be taking over for Joe Mixon this year and last year had in the reception game at 200 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns 115 yards on the ground no rushing touchdowns, but that was also, you had Joe Mixon in front of you, so you weren't getting a ton of carries going, but he's a guy that I think is going to flourish this season with Oklahoma not having Joe Mixon.
0: Well, Ricky, one thing really quickly that I Mm -hmm. want to set the record straight. You said Jacob Eason. You were correct in saying that. Then you changed and said Jason Eason. Jason Eason... We're not sure if he exists, maybe a cousin, but you were right in saying Jacob Eason, quarterback of Georgia. Okay. So I just wanted to correct you on trying to correct yourself and saying <laughs> that you were wrong in trying to correct yourself because you were right the first time. Thank okay. you. I just want to let you know because Ricky well, usually does it's not weird. Ricky usually does not get names right, well, folks. So when weird. he does, you have to compliment him. It's
1: weird because I'm going to say this. I'm looking at rlads.com. I love rlads.com. Use them for... All my um, depth charts. This is not a sponsor, by the way. They have Jason Eason. So I said Jacob Eason. Looked at them, said Jason Eason. I just typed it into Google because you told me I was right. I was right, Jacob Eason. You're I right, typed Jacob Eason. I know. Into, you into almost Google. you
0: couldn't even believe that you were right. Oh no, I couldn't. But here's one. I could not. Here's a guy that I, I that I want to touch on that you just mentioned. It, it's Nick Chubb. I mean, my gosh, I feel for mm-hmm. this guy because he has had the run in with some bad. Bad, injuries. Bad luck. I mean, it's 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 not just you know, you know a broken broken I mean you know finger mm-hmm. or you know a a uh, strained quad or a, you know just a reoccurring foot issue.
1: Their ACLs.
0: Dude has had ACL injuries like it's nobody's business. And if not for that, and he had one of the worst one of the worst looking plays that you ever want to see happen to somebody with his leg getting twisted back, disgusting. But I think he can come back from that. If he can come back and have a good season this year and stay healthy and have a consistent, I mean, even honestly, Ricky, I think if he has about 185 carries, Mm -hmm. 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, something along that line, stays relatively healthy, The the usual nicks and bruises and stuff like that, but stays relatively healthy, plays a full season. Nick Chubb puts himself back on the map that says, hey, hey, look at me, look at me. You know, I'm I'm still here and I stayed healthy. Mm -hmm. He can do that, but he's got to stay healthy. He's got the potential. He had it when we talked about him years ago. His senior year, his last hurrah. Hopefully it's a hurrah.
1: I got one more guy, and this is a guy that, looking at his stats over the past two years, I'm kind of now looking at it like, Todd, 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 how do you not have this guy in your first round way too early? In year one, as a freshman, 2015, oh, we only had 1,302 yards, 14 touchdowns on the ground on 227 carries, averaged about 5.7 yards per carry as well. This past year, 2016, had 10 more carries, so 237, got 1,373 yards, averaged 5.8 yards per carry, just a .1 more than the freshman year, 10 touchdowns, so 24 total touchdowns, over 2,600 yards in his two seasons, and well over 400 carries. He will be a junior this year for the Wisconsin, for I almost said the Wisconsin Huskies, the Washington Huskies, Sean Anderson's team, Miles Gaskin. How is he not even in the first round going in? Because he's a guy that I had to look, okay, who are some of the ones that I'm like, oh, wait, what about Miles Gaskin? This guy's a speedy back. He could also be someone kind of jocking for position. He's a guy that I think, like Nick Chubb, I said, if he has a good year, maybe second round is where I see him because of the injuries. Miles Gaskin's the guy where it's like, hey, maybe we think about taking him in the first.
0: Because he goes to Washington. If you'd like to ask any <laughs> questions about that, you can talk to Sean Anderson. I have no comment.
1: Uh, because we all know, Brandon, the famous uh, rivalry you have with the uh, with the Pac-12. Games are on too late, man. You go to bed.
0: Or I'm out <laughs> drinking, let's be honest. And, <laughs> I'm not watching the game, and if I am... It's like when I had to read textbooks in school. Yep. I'll read them, but I didn't. I didn't see anything on the page. No, I mean, you know, this this guy is a, is a guy who's kind of a sleeper. I'd put him as kind of a sleeper mm-hmm. dark horse. Um, and and it's not Katy Perry dark horse. It's a solid song. Okay. Uh, what do you think of her haircut? I'm not in. You're talking about the short one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan of that on girls.
0: I think she can pull it off, but it's <laughs> we digress. Only, it's only her and Emma Watson. I think that can do it. Anyways. But I think that – I'm not going to lie when I say I think that part of the reason why he doesn't get – Because he's in the Pac-12? Much, uh, it's, it's, it's not because of necessarily the Pac-12. It's the fact that those – that because you're in the Pac-12, games your are games later. are on at a different time than everyone else. Mm-hmm. You don't get the primetime games. You do not. You're lucky – if you get a primetime game for the Pac-12, it's because you're on at 9-10. I, I'm still not watching it. Well,
1: 9 10 our time.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Prime that's what time on the West Coast. Central time. <laughs> Central time. That, that's way prime time <laughs> on, uh, over there at 7 o'clock. But I, I think that, you know, but it is hard for guys that are good for them to just disappear and not be seen. If you're good, people will find you. Because people will hear about you. And just because you're two hours behind doesn't mean that people aren't already talking about mm-hmm. you two hours ahead. So I think that if he can continue to produce numbers and if Washington can have anywhere near the season that they had last year, maybe with some better competition, I think that he can certainly make a name for himself and and put himself um, even higher on the board. Uh, but I do think that he's... To to be anywhere near those those guys that we talked about at the top, I think that he would certainly need to make um, some some significant strides this next year.
1: And the thing I'm looking at is besides the Pac-12 schedule that they have, the uh, the non-conference games for Washington should be an easy three and zero. They're at Rutgers, tough, tough one. That's really tough. Tough at home against Montana. How'd you how'd you get that one? I didn't even know Montana wanted to play you. They're so tough.
0: Didn't even know Montana had a team.
1: And then at home against Fresno State, do they still have Derek Carr? Is he still on that team? I don't think he's on that team anymore. That's all I know about Fresno State when it comes to, court, when it comes to football. Is well, it looks like Derek they, Carr
0: looks like they really really bumped up their competition really level for really their out bumped of it up games. in the non
1: conference. But this is where I'm going to turn the conversation on to you guys. And before I do that, the thing that I think might help Gaskin this season, there's a few quarterbacks in the Pac-12 that might get more of the national media attention, which because the attention's on them, he might be able to steal some of it because he's playing some of those same guys. A Sam Darnold or maybe even a Falk, he plays them to end the season. His quarterback, he plays Josh Rosen. He also has one of his own in Jake Browning that people might look at. So maybe he can kind of, oh, I remember watching that Gaskin guy when I went to go see Rosen when UCLA played Washington. One of those things. But next week we're going to continue the draft conversation. Brandon and I have already discussed. We're going to talk about Falk, the quarterback from Washington State, next week. So stay tuned for that. Let us know down below. What do you guys think? about the running back situation and about Saquon Barkley. Will he be the top running back when we get to the 2018 NFL draft? Let us know down below in the comment section. But Brandon, we got to move on into our last discussion. We are talking about coaches who could be on the hot seat this season, entering the 2017 college football season. And the reason why we're talking about this now, a little kind of other side to Derek Mason gets a contract extension. I'd be honest, I didn't really want to talk about Vanderbilt or the extension. Boring. Congratulations to Derek Mason for getting a three-year extension. There's that. Let's talk about coaches that could be fired, though, this year. mean, we I mean, we talked about Kingsbury in the Texas Tech segment to start the podcast, but what are some other coaches who could be fired? I've got some of mine. I got my first one lined up, but I want to hear, who do you got? Give me your first coach. Give me a guy. That could be on the hot seat in 2017.
0: Here's my number one, and this one is oh so easy. It is none other than Brian Kelly. Oh, thank God. I mean... <laughs> you didn't take my. I mean, come on, though. Brian Kelly, four wins. Four mm-hmm. wins last season. This guy has wanted to leave Notre Dame for at least the last season, if not two. Good? Bye-bye. <laughs> I mean... Cowley clearly no longer is in it uh, at at Notre Dame anymore. He clearly showed it this past season. And when things got hot underneath the collar, what did he do? He pushed it off onto the players. That's not a good coach. You are supposed to take it for the team. And he is not a big fan of taking it for the team. Mm -hmm. He's a big fan of pushing it off onto someone else, being able to blame someone else. It's not his fault. If they do not have a good season this year, if they do not have a significant bowl game at the end of the year, he's gone. Brian Kelly has got to go if Notre Dame does not find success again this season. It's Notre Dame football. And I understand you have, even Notre Dame has transition years. Mm -hmm. Even Notre Dame can have bad years. This tied the worst, if not the worst season by Notre Dame in years. And Ricky, the leadership, the leadership is not there. The leadership is not there, and Notre Dame's going to have to find somebody who will be the leader for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish.
1: Well, and this is the first year, last year that is, was the first year that Brian Kelly didn't have eight wins with the Fighting Irish. And the thing that I look at and I go, hmm, that's kind of interesting, is like you said, depending on who you ask in South Bend, Brian Kelly kind of wants to get out of town. Also... He had a couple of good quarterbacks that he couldn't do anything with. He bl- blotched that whole situation. Had Deshaun Kaiser, who's now playing for the Cleveland Browns. Couldn't make it work with him. Had Everett Golson. Everett Golson decides to leave. There were guys at that quarterback position that he had to work with. Couldn't get it to work. He had Malik Zaire. Where's Malik Zaire? Not with the Golden Domers right now, that's for sure. So, I'm looking at it where... Of course, it's like, ah, it's easy to say, well, ah, that was just one bad year, but Notre Dame kind of timeline and how Notre Dame does things, one bad year is okay. That's a hiccup year, but once you have two, it's like, okay, that's starting a little bit of a trend, and Notre Dame doesn't let it become three, or maybe they do. Maybe they do, because I do remember Charlie Weiss wasn't that good, and I mean, Brady Quinn was pretty good, but he was probably the only time that team was like exceptional, besides the... Brian Kelly team that went to the national championship and got blown out by Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. But that is one that I don't think is as easy as the first guy I am going to throw out to you. You ready for my, this is the number one guy who could be on the hot seat, could be fired at the end of the year. If he does not have a good season and that's Kevin Sublin. This you've is, been
0: on someone for years.
1: Well, this is a this is a Texas A&M team that yeah, you've gone 11 and 2, 9 and 4, 8 and 5, 8 and 5, 8 and 5, but I look at every year besides that first one, 4 and 4 in conference, 3 and 5 in conference, 4 and 4 and 4 and 4. And, four. and I get it. You're in the SEC now. It's not a cupcake schedule to be in this conference. This team came over In 2012, you took over this team. You're in the Western Conference, or the Western Division for this conference. You got to do better in the SEC. That's all I'm asking. I mean, it would be different if you were still in the Big 12. But besides Johnny Manziel, besides that year, I, I look at it and I just go, you know what? If I'm fine, if you're fine with eight and five seasons and just okay, yeah, we made a bowl game, we went 8-5, and it was a winning season. Then fine, keep Sumlin on. But I do not think Sumlin has shown that he is the guy to take the Texas A&M Aggies to that next level. He is not the guy to bring them to that next level to show them off and win the SEC. And I know what you might be saying. Well, Ricky, they're in the SEC, it's hard enough why shouldn't you strive though to take over that conference and win it?
0: I agree with you. I think you're right. But I do think that 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 Kevin Sumlin has not done It's not as bad as Brian Kelly. But here's here yeah, here here's the thing is that with Kevin Sumlin, he hasn't gone so far backwards where you look at it and go, Man, you had a terrible season. <laughs> now you have to have a Kind of a uh, come-to-Jesus season of, okay, you had your come-to-Jesus season of your, whatever it was. Can he get you and, over and, the hump, and though? Then, and then get you back. But
1: I, I Three, I, eight, I, and five seasons, that's complacent if you're okay with just but that. But
0: some would call it consistent. Consistently okay. Call, so, <laughs> and some schools are okay with that. Can,
1: you're consistently okay.
0: Are they going to a bowl game?
1: Yeah, but I want to be playing for playoffs. They're going to a bowl bowl game, though. That's
0: the problem. (laughs) We're rewarding them with a bowl game, even though they were consistently complacent. That's the problem. That's the problem. A Mm -hmm. lot of a lot of ADs will look, well, my team went to a bowl game. I'm at we won our bowl game. We went to the no one gives a shit bowl, but uh, we won it. You know, I think sometimes that's almost the problem Mm -hmm. is the fact that We, (laughs) these teams, a a five and eight team or a five and seven team can go to a bowl game, which is horse who, you know. Because we
1: don't have enough teams. Because we don't have
0: uh, enough teams that can go and get there that are better than that. So when you have them go and then they win, it's like you're rewarding a team that shouldn't have been there. So I think that's a little part of the problem. But with Kevin Sumlin, he hasn't done, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And remember the conference he's in, Ricky. Remember mm-hmm. the conference he's in. He's in the SEC. Already a difficult conference. Already a loaded conference, especially at the top. And I would look at Texas A&M middle to upper echelon.
1: Well, and it didn't help that that first year, that 11-2 and two season where he did beat Alabama, didn't help that that was jo- arguably Johnny Manziel's best season because he won the Heisman that year. So I mean you had the Heisman winning quarterback, a quarterback on the top of his game, and so it's basically unless you have a guy like Johnny Manziel leading that team, Kevin Sumlin 8 and 5 is your ceiling. Because remember what Michael Jordan said, the ceiling is the roof makes no sense but it is what it is hey man got got the tar heels to win national championship i
0: i think that yeah, that wasn't it that was <laughs> not cuz the, the ceiling is the roof man cuz the ceiling is the roof we will win no no way um but but I, think, but I think i but i think if he can have a season that's not 8 and 5 9 and 4 mm-hmm. you know this big epiphany
1: 9 and 4 challenge challenge alabama beat beat lsu beat auburn contest those teams and be right behind Alabama. That's what I want to see from Kevin and Sumlin and Texas A&M. I don't want Like if I'm a Texas A&M fan, I don't want to see LSU and Auburn ahead of us in the standings anymore.
0: Well, you're right, and neither neither do they. But what I'm saying is that as long as he's eight and five, mm-hmm. as long as he has a winning season, I feel like he's safe. If he had, if he was eight and five, eight and five, eight and five in let's say what could i say what what conference the big 12 i was gonna say the big 12 but then i thought should i go for the pack 12 or
1: i would say the big 12 but is the big, weakest of tw- the, the big Power 12 five.
0: if you're eight and five eight and five eight and five and you're one of the teams that's middle to upper echelon mm-hmm. and that's all you've done for three years well while you've yes had a winning record, you've gone to a bowl game, all that stuff. You're in the Big Twelve. We should be competing better against these teams. We should be winning more games. Then I think that you know it's you're not going to up against as as dominant competition. You're going up against Oklahoma State. Yeah, they're good. You're going against, up against Oklahoma. Uh huh. Yeah, they're good. But you're not going up against Alabama, yeah, the mothership of all wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I think you're not going up against Alabama. Ole Miss is 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 very very good as well. You you know I think that uh, Auburn's really coming back uh, as as well. I, I think I I don't want to have someone look and say, well, Brand, you you just you really like the the SEC, so you're giving them more credit. I think that the SEC plays a tighter. Style of football. They score points, but they do mostly they do play defense. Mm-hmm. And most people will say, well, that defense all comes from Alabama. Well, other teams have to play defense to be able to compete with Alabama. Look at LSU. Look at LSU play defense. They they know how to play a little D. I, I think that uh, the problem with LSU, the reason why Les Miles left, a name that we haven't heard for a while. The we reason,
1: could if Brian Kelly gets fired. The re-
0: reason why he left, or he didn't leave, but he was forced to... Not enough offense. Mm-hmm. Plenty of D. Not enough offense. Back to it. Getting a little off track here. Kevin Sumlin is safe as long as he has a winning record. And as long as he goes to a bowl game. And as long as he can stay competitive with the top dog, Alabama.
1: Give me another one of yours. Who's one that should be on the hot seat entering the season?
0: Now you're going to think that this is interesting and maybe surprising. Um, and it is coming out of California. And it's not at USC. So Jim Mora. It's Jim Mora at UCLA, so. and I think that Jim Mora and his possible coaching career at UCLA with the Bruins could very much hinge on what Josh Rosen does this year. On what most people are looking at will be Josh Rosen's final season. We've talked about Josh Rosen unless he gets injured. We've, we've, yes, we've talked about how he needs to maybe grow up a little bit, mature a little bit take on the leadership role and really come on strong this year. If you can do that, if you can get back to 9 and 5, 10 and 3, Jim Mora is safe. But if you are 5 and 7, you know, 6 and uh 6 mm-hmm. and 8, uh 4 and 8 if, like you were this I, year. I mean, if you're 4 and 8, you're gone. <laughs> you're gone. But I mean even eight and five mm-hmm. was what he was two years ago. Even eight and five, you're looking at kind of all right, but what what are you showing me? Because I mean
1: the first year, his is kind of like a sumlin as well, but not as many years ish. He comes out that first year, nine and five, six and three, wins the South, doesn't win the Pac-12 title, loses in the holiday bowl. Then goes ten and three, ten and three with both six and three records. You can live because you got double digit wins. You didn't go to the Pac-12 title game though. You win your bowl games though in the Sun and Alamo Bowl respectively. Then you go eight and five, third in the South, ugh, and then you lose your bowl game in the Foster Farms Bowl. Then this year, the four and eight, I think he gets a pass last year because. You look at it, oh, well, Rosen was injured. You didn't have your quarterback. If you have a similar season to that and you don't get back to that eight, nine, 10 win with Rosen, I would say even an eight and five year, it's like, okay, well, maybe that's just the cap with Rosen. Eight and five might save you six and six and below. I'd be in six and six, five wins. Then I'd be like, okay, he's heavily on the hot seat. Anything below five, he's gone.
0: So let me mention this okay. in 2015 the ap preseason poll when they went 8 and 5 in 2015 had them at 13 in the ap preseason poll mm-hmm. the highest they got in the ap that year 7 and they were an 8 and 5 this past year 2016 they went 4 and 8 ap preseason poll 16 the highest they got in that poll was sixteen, four and eight. Last two seasons, AP preseason poll, within the top twenty, and at one point within the top ten. Um, as the highest they got in twenty fifteen was seven, and in fifteen they went to a bowl game. They went eight and five. You're gonna go to a bowl game at eight and five, mm-hmm. but four and eight. I mean. Honestly, Ricky, I'd look at these last two years, they're disappointment. Eight and five was a huge disappointment down from 10 and three. And that was the first year of Rosen, 2015. And then this past year, injuries, plagued by injuries. I get it. Four and eight. I think that you have a healthy Josh Rosen all season long. You get to see. And and based on your record, I think it shows you Josh Rosen, how good is he, and what his, what his actual cap is, and how good is Mora, and how good is he at putting a staff together. Now, he's had a really, really rebuilt staffs uh, around uh, Rosen and around just that team in general. I mean, he's gone through quarterbacks coaches, he's gone through wide receiver coaches, running back coaches, mm-hmm. all these guys. I mean... I think he's on, yet again, another new coordinator. So there's been a lot of turnover under Jim Moore in these last couple of years with Josh Rosen. So I think it's going to be a real interesting season to see what comes out of it in Los Angeles.
1: I got one coach that I want to kind of end this on. And I want to pose this to you because this is a guy based off of record and based off of... The last two years, you would look at his overall record, you look at the past two years, and you go, Why would you even throw this name out there? But I am. And this is a this is a coach that has been with this team for a very long time. Two years ago, was in the college football semifinal, lost to Clemson, this year at eleven and two, didn't make it, was one of the first teams out when it came to the college football playoff. However, his wide receiver who's now in the NFL was arrested twice on domestic violence charges. He had a running back that was in the news. We even talked about him on one of our mock draft specials about a, about a assault charge or an assault case that he was involved with his quarterback entering this year has, it wasn't an assault. It wasn't a domestic violence, but it was a, trying to, hey, you know what? I got pulled over by the cops. Let me see if I can outrun him. And he gets tackled into the metal, or not metal, the stone kind of wall that was next to him. I'm going to pose this question out to you, Brandon, to end this. Based on that, D.D. Westbrook, Joe Mixon, what we've seen with Baker Mayfield, should Bob Stoops be on the hot seat this year because of what we've seen with some of his players and off-the-field issues, more so the Westbrook and the Joe Mixon that were assaults and domestic violences?
0: Ricky, I'm going to say no. And the reason I say no is because it hasn't seemed to really affect play on the field. And I say that because you take a look at what they did this past year when they had that stuff around Joe Mixon. And as bad as that was, and as bad as that is, look at how they performed on the field. They were one of the teams that I had at the very end said, you know what? They could be a team that sneaks into the playoff Mm -hmm. if things worked out just just perfectly. So, no, as long as things aren't affected on the field, as long as they continue to perform, Stoops is fine because the minute, though, that off-the-field issues get onto the playing field, guess what? then they can look at the head coach and say, you don't have this under control, and you're gone.
1: See, and I know where you're coming from. You're not a person saying that, you know what, as long as you're winning, you're okay with it. You're saying like the AD and the board, as long as they're winning games, push it aside Absolutely, kind
0: of thing. Absolutely.
1: I'm on the side of, let's see what happens this year, but if more of these start to happen, and – especially how they handled the entire Joe Mixon thing. Not this past year, but the year before when it happened, you know what? Like it happened. He didn't sit out. Oh, why, why would he sit out? We got a playoff game to play. If more of these incidences happen under Bob Stoops, then I will be all for pitchforks and fires call for his head. But right now I want to hope that, like the D.D. Westbrook, the Joe Mixon, are isolated incidences. That's what I would like to hope, that it's not something where more of these are under the rug or it's one of those things where him and his coaching staff kind of overlook it because, you know what, we need you on the field. We need you to win ball games. I just wanted to throw him out there because I know last season, especially with the Joe Mixon stuff, There were some people calling for his head a little bit, saying that, you know what, if he can't have these players under control, who cares if we're winning? We can't have our players having domestic violence charges and assault charges. So I want to throw that out to you. I want to throw this out to them, though. Give me some coaches. Give me two coaches, one or two, that you think will be on the hot seat this season. Then I want to throw that last one out to you. If we get more of those in Oklahoma— should Bob Stoops be on the hot seat, or is this something where overlook it because he's had a tradition of winning with the Oklahoma Sooners? I want to hear your opinion down below in the comments section. But, Brandon, as we end every podcast here on the, fa- on the Fast Break, on the Primetime Podcast, it is time for none other than Swanee's final thoughts.
0: All right, Ricky. Well, thanks for throwing it over to me. And what uh, we're going to be talking about today on Swanee's Final Thoughts is something that continues to pop up. It's like an annoying little gnat. And it's called LeVar Ball. And now... <laughs> Laker,
1: Lakers going to get that ball, and then so they going to get that
0: ball. So he says that if Nike, Under Armour, or Adidas want to make a deal <laughs> with his big baller brand... The asking price is for $3 billion. Triple B's. And he said that he does not see a need to market to women. You dumb, arrogant prick. It's 2017. You have to market to women. You have to market to women. They're a huge market that love shoes, that love to work out that love to look cute when they go to look out, work out. And we, as men, love when they look cute as they go to work out. And that's not a bad thing to say. I am so happy that they go and work out in such cute outfits. That is outstanding. But LeVar Ball, he thinks that the world revolves around him. He thinks that the world revolves around him. And he only makes things worse. And for Lonzo Ball, I, I don't know what I would do. I just think it's so interesting whenever they do an interview with Lonzo Ball. Really, they're doing the interview with LaVar Ball. They just have Lonzo come around, come along for the ride. But he doesn't say much. Not that his dad would ever let him say much because we know who's boss there. But the fact that LaVar Ball has to take over everything and make it about him. He's not doing much good for Lonzo Ball. Because guess what? We're not getting to know who Lonzo Ball is. We're not getting to know the type of guy he is, the type of... We know the type of player he is on the court. We don't know the type of player he is off the court. We don't know Lonzo Ball. But we know plenty about his dumb fuck dad. And and I, I'm sorry. I'm not a big swearer on this podcast. But this guy makes you want to really, really hit your head against the wall. His
1: DF dad.
0: And I, I don't... I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like the interview that he did with uh, Christine Leahy on Cowherd show. I don't like the way that he talked to her. I don't like the way that he thinks he's above everybody. Sit the fuck down, dude. Sit the hell down because you need to get out of the way and and just go to La La Land. And they, they won Best Picture. Right? No, they did for a minute. No, maybe they did. Maybe they, they al- didn't. They
1: almost won the lottery, but then they didn't.
0: But but La La Land is where LeVar Ball belongs. Him and his wish of $3 billion can go there. And the reason I have to bring this up and I go on this rant tonight mm-hmm. is because we have an opportunity to see a very talented player, and that is Lonzo Ball. An outstanding year with UCLA. He made them UCLA again, and he put them back on the map. But his dad, with what he does, could do enough damage to take Lonzo Ball off the map.
1: I will say this. The one thing I will say about uh, LeVar Ball that I do like from what he says is that confidence of when they're like, well, why do you say that, that he's going to go to the Lakers? And he goes, you have to speak it into existence. I like that. The more you say it, the more it becomes a reality. Maybe the only good that you can take from LeVar Ball. Because he is outspoken, and like you say, he's kind of an ass. So, I mean, there's that with it. Brandon hates me, by the way. Brandon can't stand me. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below about Brandon's final thoughts on the podcast. And uh, over under how many times Brandon strangles me for... Uh, saying one good thing about uh, LaVar Ball. But I want to thank you guys for checking out the Primetime Podcast. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Also, check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. Besides hitting that like and subscribe button, just another way to support the channel so that we can do more and awesome things for you. I want to thank you guys one last time for checking out the show today. And as always, have a good day, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast.